So I want to say happy Valentine's Day to everyone. And uh, I thought it would be appropriate for uh, me to uh, start out uh, this morning by telling you about the first time I ever fell in love. Aren't you glad you're here? I, uh, I can't even tell you where it was at. Um, some of you have been to Rock River Christian Camp. And uh, some of you know where the, uh, the dining hall is. And then there's sort of a, a field there or a courtyard. And then the, uh, the shower houses are down at the other end. And there is a uh, swimming pool there. And then there's the uh, guys' dorms that are on one side, cabins, and then the girls' cabins on the other. There's this big grassy area there. And uh, uh, there used to be, you know, this was, you know, long enough ago, there used to be kind of down by the, just outside of the girls' side of the thing there by the pool, there was kind of a stump there and a table, a picnic table that was there. And uh, I, I remember, oh man, I, I, can, I can remember, I can visualize it, I can see being at the camp and walking around, and, uh, and my mom, my mom would go there, and uh, she would spend a week, and she would uh, cook, she would cook. And so this was, this was probably when I was in kindergarten or first grade, kindergarten or first grade, and I was at uh, the camp, and uh, spending the time there at the camp. And I'd go play and could go run around in the woods and go down the trails. It was just beautiful, stunningly beautiful all over the place. And um, there, there was this girl. Oh, man. Oh, man. I, I was kindergarten or first grade, and she was probably a fourth or a fifth grader. But let me tell you, I was smitten. I was taken back, and oh, she was so just everything you can imagine. And I remember uh, she would be with her little friends over in some area of the camp, and I would kind of make my way over there, and I would look at her, and, and my heart, you know, Twitter-pated. I was just kind of all bubbly and warm and fuzzy, and, and she'd look back at me. And uh, I remember one time she waved at me, and, you know, wow, yeah, yeah, wow. And uh, there was another time that uh, uh, she even said hi to me, you know, I, I was I, I was an adorable I, I was an adorable little kid, you know, a little kid, and uh, but she was a much older woman, and uh, I just I just remember just having these strong, strong, strong feelings. And one particular time, uh, there down down by the the shower house there, the outside of the the, the ladies part of the thing there. If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, she was sitting there at this picnic table. And uh, some of her friends were there, and I think there were actually some maybe junior high age kids that were, were there with her. And uh, I remember just kind of sheepishly making my way over in that general area and uh, just kind of looking at her. And, and as I made my way over there with this group of kids, um, one of the uh, junior high boys just kind of, as I walked up, he just kind of looked at me and said, Hey, ugly. And uh, I said, I'm not ugly. And then, and then this girl that just, this girl, she turned and she looked at me. And she said there in front of all of her friends, right out loud, unmistakable, everyone could hear it. She said, you look like your face caught on fire and somebody put it out with a coal shovel. And I remember 
looking down and I was hurt and I was confused and I was very, very rejected. And I just turned and walked away, kind of left my heart right there. Now everybody together look up at me and say, Aww, more, more, it still hurts. But that's not really where the <clears throat> story ends. Because the worst part of the story is that the Bible teaches me, the Bible teaches me that uh, God loves me. And that a uh, long time ago, God created the heavens and the earth. And he made this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful garden. And that he would go, and he so desired to go for walks in the beautiful, lush gardens with Adam and Eve. Spend time with them. He would pursue them in the garden. Spend time with them. Later on, Jesus is talking about his father, and he says, Do you know what God is like? He says, God is like, and Laura referenced it a little bit ago, God is, God is like, a, he's like a shepherd that has a hundred sheep, but when, when one of them is lost, he'll leave the 99 behind, and he will go, and he, he will pursue and go looking after and following around and trying to find that one that is lost, because he, he wants to be close and connected, and he doesn't, he doesn't want that one to wander away. King David tells us that each one of us is fearfully and wonderfully made and that God sent his own son to this earth because he is passionately in love with us and he pursues us and comes after us and wants to find us and he looks for us. And when he gets to spend time with us, that's where he wants to be. But I don't know how many times in my life, and maybe you can relate to this, that this God that loves me, who is smitten with me, has approached me. And when I've been maybe with some other people that I want them to think that I'm cool, I have in no uncertain terms communicated to God. I have no desire to be connected to you. I remember as a little guy just being devastated when she said that to me, yet I've turned around in my life and I've done that to my pursuer. And I think all of us collectively should say to ourselves, Aw, let's not be that kind of people to the one who loves us. And so this morning I want to take a look and get your bulletin out there and I want to write down uh, two tips to communicate your love to Jesus. 
How do we show Jesus that we love him? How do we communicate to him? We don't want to reject you, but we want you uh, to be a part of us, and we want to climb into your arms and feel uh, your embrace. Two tips to communicate your love to Jesus. Tip number one, have a time of communion with God. Have a time of communion with God. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 29. For I received from the Lord, and this is the Apostle Paul, and he's writing this down. He's writing to the church at Corinth. He says, hey, I got this information from the Lord, and I want to make sure that you have it, Countryside Christian Church. For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you, the Lord Jesus. Who? Jesus. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke that bread. He had, there was a table, and the disciples were there, and he breaks that bread, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance. Say remembrance. Do this in remembrance of me. Who are we to remember? We are to remember Jesus. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me, Jesus. For whenever you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim, you're making a proclamation, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. And so what are we to do when we have a time of communion? We're to do this. Write this down. We are to commemorate. Commemorate. What's that mean? Remembrance. Remembrance is commemorating. What should we remember? What should we remember when we are contemplating the things of communion and having a time of communion with God to communicate that we love Him? We should remember His death. He had the Last Supper on the night that he was arrested, and he knew what the night would bring, and he knew that later on he was going to be beaten with rods and punched in the face and his beard plucked out and a crown of thorns pressed into his head. He knew that he was going to have a robe placed on his back after his back had been ripped from its skin with a whip and all of these things. And he, he says, do this in remembrance of me. Remember what I have done for you. I have died for you. Why did Jesus die? Jesus died for us because we are sinners and we turn our back on God and push him away. And God says, I know you're going to do that and I love you. And I'm willing to do that for you. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5 says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquity, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. 
So remember, commemorate his death and remember the love that he has for us. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that when we believe in him we don't have to worry about hell but we can remember heaven and look forward to and anticipate being with him. God loves us and sent his son to us. He pursues us. We need not reject him. We need to remember what he has done for us and then do this, write this down. We need to confess. We need to announce. We need to proclaim. Proclaim his death until he comes. Proclaim it. We need to confess it. The lordship. Confess, write this down, the lordship of Jesus. Only Jesus paid the way. He's the only one. Remember the return, the return of Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Not only did Jesus die on the cross, but Jesus is going to come back for us. He's looking forward to and eagerly anticipates reuniting with us. And we also need to proclaim our sin, our sin. 1 Corinthians 11, chapter 28, uh, chapter 11, verse 28. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. God knows we have sinned. He is looking for us to repent. He's looking for us to turn to him. He desires to spend time with us as he is pursuing us. And then do this, write this down. Commune. Commune. That means connect with Jesus. Jesus is the guy that calls us to do this. He's the one that said to do these things. Commune. Connect with Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16 and 17. When we, when we bless the cup at the Lord's table, aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ? And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? And though we are many, we all eat from one loaf of bread, showing that we are one body. We are one body. We are the church. We come together and we focus in on who Jesus is and what he has done for us. We remember him collectively. We remember a couple of things. We receive a couple of things at the cross. First, we receive from Jesus forgiveness. Forgiveness. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? When I told you that story about this time in my life when I was a little kid and just kind of remember that and you felt sad for me and you knew that hurt and you have those kinds of things that pour through your head and then when you realize yeah we do those things to Jesus aren't you glad that he forgives us I'm glad I need to be forgiven he forgives us and he calls us into a time that we would commune with Jesus and we would connect to Jesus and experience the forgiveness of Jesus. And also this, 
adoption. We receive adoption. We're brought into his family. We're brought up into his arms. We are part of his family. We're connected to him. We're his children. He declares us as his own. And he says, you are welcome in my house. Jesus loves us. And he asks us to spend time in communion with him. So that's what we're going to do. You know where the stations are. You know how those cups work. I'm going to ask that you would uh, slowly, thinking through, maybe even reviewing the notes that are in your bulletin, I would like for you to just kind of make your way to those places. Spend time connecting with Jesus. I'm going to pray, and then we'll enter into our time of communion. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the way that you love us. Father, we accept the forgiveness that you extend to us. Father, fortify in us the people that you want us to be, that we might be bold in our faith based on the love that you have extended to us. We ask this in Jesus' name, and amen.
there are so many people that God wants to love. After Jesus had finished with the Last Supper in the upper room, he gathered his disciples and he took them outside to Gethsemane. We read about it in the book of Matthew, chapter 26. It's the second tip. Tip number one, have a time of communion with God. Tip number two, spend time in prayer. Pray, pray, spend time praying and talking to God. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36 to 50 says, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. I've made this point before. He took James and John along with him when he went off to be in a special place to pray. Jesus found comfort in having friends with him. Prayer is not a replacement for relationships. We don't get to just say, I'm going to spend all my time talking to God and not talking to anyone else. Jesus didn't do that. But also, having relationships and good conversation with other people is not a substitute for having a prayer time. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. People want people to pray with them. People want people to pray with them. I heard this story Wednesday. I asked Sandy if she would be willing, and I still don't know that she's willing, but she's here. I asked her if she would just share this story with you about a time that she prayed. friends, so I'm going to do it. <laughs> but I was traveling to Chicago for work, and it was not a full flight. It was um, pretty sparse, and there was a lady that was sitting up a few rows ahead of me across the aisle, and I could see her with a Bible on her lap, and she was just crying. And so I sat across the aisle and just prayed for her, and I am... Um, trying to pray with expectations to watch what God wants me to do after I pray. So I sometimes need to pray, keep my mouth shut if I'm supposed to. So anyway, I'm praying for her. And uh, when we get to Chicago, it's a small flight, so there's no jetway or anything. We parked on the tarmac and we had to walk in. Well, there was uh, doors at both the front and the back. Well, her and I ended up both going out the back. And when um, we got on the tarmac, I found myself with my arm around her, and I just said, I've just been praying for you for the flight, you know, and everything, and she said to me that, and just in tears, she said uh, that her nephew had fallen off a picnic table and was in a coma in the hospital in Indiana, 
and that's where she was going. She'd never flown before, didn't know anything about airports, and um, just was scared to death about how to get to her connecting flight. Well, that was something I could help her with. So I just walked her over to her next flight, and that's all she needed from me. She's sitting there praying that she wanted help to get to her nephew, and I could do that little part for her. And that was an answer to prayer for her. So, Thank you. And I would say it was an answer for prayer for Sandy, that she was open and receptive and she was praying for her. And here's the point. Write this down. Prayer is to be shared. Prayer is to be shared. How do we commune? How do we connect? How do we show Jesus that we love him? By loving others. By talking to God and saying, is there anybody around here I can help with our eyes open and then stepping in bravely and unassured and helping. Prayer is to be shared. Well, they were in the garden and they had gathered after the Last Supper. They were still in the Garden of Gethsemane and it continues in verse 40 and it says, Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you not keep watch with me for one hour, he asked. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. Jesus gives them this command as they were in the garden to watch and pray. Why did they need to, why do any of us ever need to watch and pray? Why? So that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. When Jesus communicates this, it was kind of a review of a lesson that he had taught the disciples earlier. Uh, Earlier, he says, um, and you kind of look back at uh, when Jesus was uh, with the disciples and praying with them in the garden, and he says, um, not my will, but your will be done. And then he says, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He's almost giving them a review of when they came to him and said, Jesus, what? How, how do we pray? What should we do? And when Jesus was there at the Sermon on the Mount, and there were thousands of people there, and Jesus begins to teach people how to pray, he says this in Matthew chapter 6, 9-13. Jesus at the Sermon on the Mount, he looks out at them and he says, pray like this, verse 9. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Holy is the name of God. May your kingdom come soon. We look forward and anticipate that all of the problems on this earth will soon go away and we will be swept up into a place in your presence, in your glory, where everything that is bad is gone. May your will be done on earth as it is always done in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And now, at the conclusion of the prayer, he says, And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Prayer is a call for help. When we're 
trying to commune with Jesus and show him that we love him. It is not an act of weakness to call for help. It's an act of prayer. It's an act of communication. Today, it's bitterly cold outside. Who among us, if we were going down the road and saw a car sort of sputter to a stop in front of us and pull over alongside the road, would just keep going and say, oh, you know, too bad for them, right? And who would blame them if they made a call for help? We would say, of course you're going to do that. The situation is a crisis. You have to call for help. And guess what? Every one of us, every day, is living in a situation of crisis. Without Jesus, we are lost. We are broken down along the road. We're to call for help. We're to ask Jesus to work in our life. We are to ask Jesus to help us do the will of God. What is the will of God? It's always two things. First, write this down. You are to be holy. That's God's will. You are to be holy. We've talked about that many, many times. What does it mean to be holy? It means to be set apart. There is a direction that the world is going. Uh, There is a clear and an ever clear direction that the world is going. And so whether it's to be politically correct or to be woke or whatever the terminology is, there's a direction that the world is to go, but we are to be holy, set apart, going in, only going in the direction that Jesus would have us go according to Scripture, not any other direction. We are to be holy, moving ever closer to Christ's likeness in our life. That is the will of God, that we would be holy, and then second, you are to help others be holy. We are to help others to learn and know Jesus. How do we connect? How do we show Jesus that we love him? We spend time in communion with him, and we spend time in prayer with him for others, and with him on our behalf, and for others' behalf. That's how we show Jesus that we love him. Church, it was fun to look at that video of God in the city. I'm going to show a video right now. and This is just one of the ways through Kids Club that we are trying to reach and pray for our community.
to spend time this week communing and connecting to Jesus. Have a good week.